This is UGA Sports Live. I'm Dane Young alongside Rodney Nabolsi and the former Georgia head coach Jim Donnan. And uh, we're here to break down Georgia's shutout win against Arkansas and then to preview Auburn. Uh, great week for the dogs. We're in October, Roddy, and Georgia undefeated. Yeah, I, don't, I feel like we don't have enough energy for that intro. The intro comes in with all the booming music and they were like, hey, everybody. <laughs> I feel like uh, we, we need to step it up a bit, just like Georgia's defense did this past weekend with its back-to-back shutout. Last two games, Georgia is 99 to nothing over Arkansas and Vanderbilt. We kind of expected that with uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not that good, but Arkansas was a number, a top-10 team, number eight in the nation. And, Coach, I just want to get your overall thoughts on it because this was a Georgia ground-and-pound team. I mean, they just ran it down Arkansas's throat, you know, took what the defense gave them. If you're going to rush three men, you know, Georgia's just going to run it right at you. And I was just very impressed with the run game. We hadn't seen that run game since Clemson. It was a very dominating uh, performance, one that uh, certainly you expected a little bit as far as uh, defensively shutting down this uh, team, but offensively showed some really good signs of uh, being very physical and, I think uh, regardless who the quarterback is, uh, you, you know, we were running plays that really were designed to to be run first and not a lot of RPOs, just really uh, hat-on-hat type deals. And their only chance was backside pursuit. And for the most part, we contained that with, with pretty good backside blocking. So as, as long as you uh, – if a team plays a three-man front and, it, you know, the tendency with several teams that's in the college football now, you're seeing it with Iowa State and the, and the Big 12, uh, uh, somewhat some other teams around the country that play teams that, that really are pass first. It really is a good concept because you got, uh, you know, eight guys really effectively that can defend the pass – and um, it worked very good for Arkansas against uh, a good, uh, very good uh, Texas team and an A&M team that really had a hard time uh, at quarterback. But, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett came in there and directed the show. And what he was able to do is use the snap count, use some uh, either-or plays where he could go one side or the other like a veteran quarterback would do. And we had really good rhythm and uh, – you know, the other thing that just really discombobulated Arkansas was the uh, – it's hard enough to know you got to score, you know, tw- you know, 14, 21 points to have a chance. But then all of a sudden you give Georgia a um, – for the second year in a row, a block punt. And uh, very good execution there by Dan Jackson, a guy that's really playing a lot of snaps for us when you look at special teams, dime coverage, all that. And he's working his way toward a scholarship. I mean, you got to look at his productivity and what he's done. And I'm real happy for him. One thing I will mention here, because I'm sure that people try to find a lot of things wrong with uh, with anything, and, and certainly you can't in that game. But I'm just going to mention about on our special teams that we did have uh, several uh, uh, penalties for illegal procedure, which you have to have seven men on the line. So I want everybody to just stay with me here and show you the – the uh, how this happens so the end man on the line looks inside to the next guy to him but for alignment by that i mean how far 
can he be off the ball and still be legal? Because the deeper you are, the better you can protect and you can recognize the rush and you can see what happens. So he looks at the first guy to his inside, which is a, a considered a tackle. And then the next guy is a guard who really sets it up. I mean, he looks at the center's feet. Uh, he looks at the ball and he gets as deep as he can, but still be legal. So what happened was he started out too deep, the, the inside guy. So by the time the tackle took his regular alignment, which was a little deeper, and by the time the end man took his alignment, which is a little bit deeper, he was off the ball too far to be considered a seventh man on the line of scrimmage. So we see that a lot of times with offensive tackles in, in the pass game. You know, they'll get back as far as they can and still be legal to, to block a speed rusher. And, you know, the, uh, the, the linesman will call him for not enough guys on the line. So – that's what happened here. The, the guard wasn't lining up close enough to the ball, and subsequently the tackle was too far and then the end. And I'm sure Roddy was going to tell us about that, but I wanted to I be, was. You stole my line. I was looking forward to trying to beat you to the punch. But uh, it's, it's, so, it's just a little thing, and I'm sure Kirby and Muschamp and all those guys will get that covered. And if it's going to happen, it's better to happen in a game like that. But uh, – other than that, uh, you really just can't find too many uh, warts on that. You know, and the thing that was so – I got a wart for you, Coach. I got one. Well, okay, but you know how to get rid of a wart on your arm or, or hand, don't you? Do not look at it for two weeks and it will leave. <laughs> that's an old wives' tale, but it will work. Don't look that's at that. North Carolina bullshit right there. That's what it, it works 100%. You tell, you, anybody's got a wart, you don't look at it for two weeks – it's history. So here's the deal with uh, with our team, though, which I liked uh, the, the the scenario, the atmosphere, the location of the of everything about college football. We were at the epicenter of it for four hours uh, plus Saturday. The game, the prelude, prelude with the ESPN uh, game day being here, uh, the build up on Friday when they're doing all these headshots of. Curb Street live from Athens, Georgia. Chris Fowler being on the Sports Center talking about the game. It just promotes the the idea that Georgia is a highly ranked team with a really good program. And uh, you know, for Kirk to come in here and do a special on our defense and interview him right there in the new facility, uh, just uh, loads and loads of positive uh, energy coming out of here. And uh, you know, I, I feel like. The thing that really excites me as an old coach, as a new coach, as a coach, is that we've gotten through five games with our secondary, which is an, it was, was an issue to me going into the season and been able to protect those guys. And now all of a sudden they're pretty damn good. So it could be Katie bar the door now because our secondary's got confidence. We can probably start using a little bit more rush. Uh, we've only had to rush five guys and, uh, so, uh, plus everybody, you know, uh, this is a big opening. Plus everybody thinks we're stronger than dirt. I mean, everybody thinks that we're indestructible. And, you know, that really helps you a little bit because even if we aren't, the uh, that little, little thought in their mind, good God, we're playing Georgia, we're going to have a hard time scoring. Look at that defense. Look at those big guys. Look at the way they run. Look at all this stuff. Boy, that's tough. I mean, people keep texting me. Is this the best defense ever? All that stuff. Hey, 
It's going to be a, a really good defense as you continue to progress. But the biggest thing about our team is we've gone five games and nobody's exposed our secondary. And now I don't think they're capable of doing that. I think our secondary is caught up. It's ready to rock and roll. And great job by Lanning, Muschamp, uh, Kirby, uh, new secondary coach from West Virginia. Adai, I mean, just really good job training those guys. I did want to touch on the – I stole your comments there about the secondary because you mentioned this previously in previous weeks, and I had not seen how – until watching three, four, five games into the season, uh, watching how that front seven took care of the secondary. You always know that if you get some quarterback pressure, it makes it easier on the secondary. I mean, it's basic football. But I didn't realize how many pressures they had gotten until Dane and Brent were showing it on film, don't lie. It's just – when Nicobe Dean comes flying through and Devontae White's chasing the quarterback, if you're back there as a nickel guy or you're in the, you know, the free safety boundary side or anything like that, you're like, hey, this is great, man. <laughs> I don't have to, he doesn't have time to throw it. I look great. My uniform's nice and clean. I don't have to do any work back here. I got it made. And I had, I was worried when I said I had a wart up on this game. The wart was I predicted Arkansas to be able to move the ball some. I thought that they were going to be more productive than they were. I was maybe a little too much Munsonitis in me, a little too uh, pessimistic, Coach, but I really thought that Arkansas would be able to move some. They had one drive that was good. That was that was about it. And I mean, we've mentioned this on the Watch Along Show. Everyone, please tune in this uh, following uh, Saturday. We'll have the Watch Along Show with the three of us where we actually watch the game live. But I, my, my predictions were wrong because I thought that Arkansas with uh, you know, K.J. Jefferson – yeah, you know, Traylon Burks, they were going to be able to move the ball some on the Georgia. And I, after what Van did at South Carolina, he was able to kind of expose some weaknesses in that secondary. I thought with the threat of the quarterback run, now you're going to be able to move the ball in this defense. And that didn't happen. Yeah. And, and you know, this is just a perfect storm the way the game started. We took the ball and rammed it down their throat. And then they were. They had several uh, penalties for the nine thousandth time when our team stemmed the other team dumped uh, and moved, and they got two penalties and a loss yard. So it's really. And you had to block punt. They never got to have a chance to do those things that you projected. So I'll defend you a little bit there. I mean, they just got. You know, you're over there on the sideline, and Pittman's talking to the coordinator, saying, "Hey, see if we can make a first down. I ain't worried." touchdown and uh, you know so it, it just it just got out of hand as far as them having any chance to run their regular offense I mean you know you're trying to still win the game and you can't win the game uh, unless you make some big plays one thing I was really surprised though they didn't use any 12 personnel and max protect and just throw the ball deep to Burks they never even took a shot at him deep hardly I mean they did get the one uh, run down the boundary where we missed the tackle but uh, you know, and Kirby's talking about we didn't get many turnovers or any, and that's something he just wants to really stress. But uh, other than that, that was uh, – and you know what was even better was all the recruits that were here. Uh, I don't get to know exactly who were here, but but you see uh, on our site, our guys do a great job of uh, chronicling who's coming, and then they also say – uh, after the fact, they interview them about what their impressions were, which I think is really good uh, to for for what happens. But uh, I know Friday uh, I was eating lunch with Kristalika um, over at a local place, and we're sitting in there, and then and here comes Kamari Wilson and uh, Humphreys, 
And of course, I knew who they were, but uh, they didn't know me. But uh, they knew Bear. <laughs> they knew him. So, uh, you know, all of a sudden, the mothers wanted to get pictures with Bear, and then the, they're, you know, they're introducing me, and I'm telling them I'm Kirby's ex-coach and all that. But I'm telling you now, uh, those two kids, good-looking defensive backs, and you know, one of the things I told them was, look, watch that game tomorrow. You know, 16, 29, 11. All those guys aren't going to be here next year. You could jump in here and play. So I, I'm trying to recruit a little bit there, but that, <laughs> that was uh, that was fun for me to see those guys. And you know, they were here all weekend and they had to have a good time. Dane, I want, you were you work on campus. You were right there. You put up this great uh, uh, montages of everything, kind of building up to the game. Talk about the atmosphere on campus. It really started on Wednesday when college game day was beginning to construct that set. And I hope people realize that a show like that, it takes multiple days and a ton of manpower to make it happen for those three hours of TV. And then this one was extra complicated with having the secondary set on really underneath the scoreboard, um, kind of on that plaza with the field in the backdrop, which you can't have better marketing for Georgia than what that shot was for an hour. Um, and so that was a great, great broadcast for that. In terms of just energy, I mean, I heard people saying this was the loudest they'd heard Sanford Stadium since Notre Dame, the loudest they had heard a day game since LSU 13. Um, and I had people saying there's no way that Arkansas is going to be able to operate its offense being in this side of the field with as loud as it was early in the game. I think you saw that. Uh, and then compounded on that, Arkansas is just not a team that's built to come from behind. And frankly, I, I don't know if Georgia is either. We haven't seen them have to do it. Uh, and offensively, that's where that comes down is, is can you come from behind when you have to? George is more equipped to do it than Arkansas is. But if Arkansas gets down 14 points, it's a tough road to hope for a team like that uh, because they don't have the consistency in the passing game. If the run game's not working uh, overall, though, for your question, the atmosphere was fantastic. And I think that you're seeing that uh, and we're seeing that on the vault with kind of the buzz and recruiting that comes after it. Yeah. Anytime that there's a big UGA moment, you kind of feel the recruits say, oh, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, I want to kind of point that out because you have most of the nation right now looks at Georgia and Alabama, you know, uh, two and one top two teams. And there's kind of a gulf between three through 25. It's there is a definite uh, talent differential there and just a perception so think about this. If you are Michael Williams, this is a five-star defensive end from Georgia, from you know the you know, kind of Columbus area. This is uh, Dale McGee's old stomping grounds, and you're committed to USC. There's you know glamour, glitz, the the bright lights of the West Coast. That's on your mind, and then you're thinking, well, this is you know I want to be out west where all the action is, and you watch the Georgia Clemson game with. The, you know, the college game day is on site in Charlotte. Then you come to Athens and you watch college game day in Athens. And you saw that, um, I think coach brought it up, you know, Kirk Herbstreit, who was great enough to do our show. You know, we also had Reese Davis on. You need to check out both those podcasts. Uh, to see Kirk Herbstreit sitting down with N'Kobe Dean and Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith and all those guys talking to them. You're like, wow, I could be on a, hey, I would love to be part of that family. That was a great segment. I want to be. I want to be a part of that you know, community. That that team. That those guys love each other. I want to be a part of that. But ESPN and College Game Day and CBS. I mean, we're going to have back to back to back CBS three thirty games for Georgia right now. 
all the glitz and glamour of USC who just fired a coach, you know, it doesn't really hold up as well. So uh, Michael Williams, this huge one, the, the number two player in the state of Georgia, the number two defensive end of the nation sitting in there, he looks behind him and, you know, Lee Corso is putting on the giant bulldog head, you know, again, and he's 15 feet behind him. And then uh, Kirk Herbstreit is up there calling the game at noon game. The students came rushing into the stadium an hour and a half before kickoff. Student section, absolutely full. The place was wild. Bear Alexander, former Georgia commit, comes in from Texas. You know, he's up for, well, he's up from IMG down in Bradenton, Florida. He's watching this going, I was committed to this. Look at what this defensive line is doing. First series, you know, uh, false start, false start, then a sack. So he's like, minus 14 yards on that first uh, series. He's like, wow. The team just shut out Vanderbilt. Now they shut out a, a top 10 team. From the recruiting standpoint, like what Coach says with uh, 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 Kamari Wilson, you know, we think that Georgia kind of leads for him. You're like, wow, this is – that made an impression. All the, the atmosphere uh, – the, the atmosphere uh, had an outcome on the game. As you could see, you know, Arkansas couldn't run their offense like they wanted to. It was really loud in there, false starts everywhere. But it has more than just – an effect on the game. It has an effect on Georgia's roster going forward. You had some 2024 guys in there. You had some 2023 guys in there, guys who are juniors and sophomores in high school. This game sets the bar for wherever they go. They can go watch an Auburn game. You know, they can go to the Iron Bowl. They can go to the Egg Bowl. They can go watch Florida, take on Florida State. But this game is going to be what they're going to measure it against. And I think that you can't say enough about the atmosphere and how much Kirby mentioned it. The second the Vanderbilt game was over, what did he do? He challenged the fans to come out and be loud, and it worked for him. It definitely did. I mean, I, I look, Georgia's program is in a good spot right now. Some of it's because of where the schedule sets up. Some of it's because of the energy around the team. Uh, Coach is right that there are still some questions to be answered, but what I hope fans are doing, whether they're in Valdosta and Cairo or way up in North Georgia, uh, maybe Savannah to Columbus, like, Enjoy what you're watching, man. I think a lot of times people try to find what's the thing that's wrong? What's the thing they can get better? They try to sound like the coach on it. And I'm like, look, this team has a chance to be special. We'll see if it is. But it's October, and Georgia's in as good a position as anyone. So trying to find what's wrong, trying to talk about the quarterback situation, that I think that Georgia fans should just be really thrilled with where the dogs are. Now, that's what we talked about last week, Coach. We talked about enjoying this team. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, we, we'll just see how it plays out. I'm concerned about our receiver injury-wise. Uh, you know, we, we've been getting by with, with some guys that, that really aren't uh, people that make you worry defensively uh, a lot uh, playing wide receiver for us. But uh, McConkie's really made a tremendous improvement, and I, I'm, I would worry about him a little bit more than maybe anybody else. But Hopefully Burton can get back and we can talk about every week. Jackson uh, Hill is still up. In, I mean, Smith's still up in the air. Uh, Rosemary St. Jack's still up in the air. Uh, Blaylock still up in the air. I mean, that's a lot of issues there. But, uh, you know, you look around the league and you look at these quarterbacks and I guarantee you everybody in the league except maybe Ole Miss and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, with Corral and uh, – you know, you know, Max Johnson certainly looking good, but he doesn't have much help. But, you know, Stetson knows how to win and he makes the play. So 
I'm, I'm just uh, tired of talking about that from, uh, you know, the what if situation. Just base it on performance. And, uh, you know, you can say, well, hey, uh, he's not going against anybody. So let's let's uh, take that into account. You think our defense is going against anybody? So hey, Davis isn't very good. Uh, uh, Nick Dean isn't very good because he goes in against a sophomore uh, left guard who can't block him and all, but uh, that that doesn't matter. Our defense is the best ever, but but we're going against these uh, terrible offensive, I mean defensive teams. So Stetson's not good enough. So we haven't played against an offense right now, based on the way they played, that uh, even is remotely threatening to to anybody. And uh, so I think that's what we feel like about our, uh, our our own offense too we haven't played against any defenses either so uh, that's a bad thing to argue about for me uh, on the on the fact of Bennett but here's the thing we're going against the team that's a, you know our state border rival here in Auburn a team that's got fool gold from my standpoint based on three wins against some really bad teams but a good win against LSU uh, who's playing without an offensive line, they might as well just go up there and say, hey, none of you five guys line up here to see what you can do on your own, Max, because they, they have no pass protection, no running game, and they, you know, had the game won, but they did nothing in the second half. And uh, give credit to uh, Mike Bobo, and, you know, he had that play, that good play that he gave Bo Nix. He said, hey, <laughs> he said, hey center to Bo, and everybody else had a little bit from here. And he had, he had two great ad libs, and they won the game. No, that was a good point. Uh, the they, I think the reason everybody keeps looking for that uh, the wart, you know, it's just Georgia's Georgia fans. We're, it, it's in the nature to wait for that other shoe to drop. You're always waiting for where's that Achilles heel? Where's the where's the issue? And for some people, it's got to be well, it's got to be the quarterback. You know, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. Uh, and I I'm, I'm as guilty of as anybody else. So. Um, that's what thing, but but, but um, I think the would, problem with that is like there's so much of that that's out of Georgia's control. Like receiver health is an issue at Georgia right now. Okay, well Georgia can't make these guys get better faster. Like that that's just scientifically not possible. Uh, the defensive backs probably haven't been tested by an efficient passing game. Look at the schedule. I don't know if that's going to happen anywhere throughout the regular season. So then maybe you get to Atlanta and you're like these guys haven't been tested and they will be there. So like their best test is going to be in practice every week compared to the way that I'm looking at the teams on Georgia's schedule and the way that they're passing the football. But the so, hey, hey, I'm just going to tell you right now, Tennessee, uh, just the way they're playing right now with that speed, running, rushing those plays in and uh, being very effective. I mean, uh, I'm a little bit more of a believer in Tennessee. Of course, their defense doesn't show me much. And, of course, uh, uh, Florida, hey, how do you uh, win a game when you have 15 penalties? I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, I've never seen – any team win a game with 15 penalties and a blocked field goal. Certainly uh, Kentucky uh, undefeated right now. I mean, there's some people right now that really are thinking about whether they're going to go to that uh, midnight madness for basketball because they still got a football team there. They're going to keep on trucking here and, you know, probably beat LSU. They got to sell out uh, and be undefeated coming in here to uh, Sanford Stadium next week. So, uh, you know, we, we got some – good teams that we got to play. But uh, at the same time, uh, I, I like the way our team is improving. I, I feel yeah. like our offensive line is really getting to, getting ready to gel. We, we're getting some good depth 
Roddy mentioned that uh, Saturday uh, about, you know, all those guys on the offensive line getting some good reps in there, and they don't they feel very good about putting Jones in there early, moving Salyer to guard. So uh, you don't get that kind of rushing attack, even with good backs, unless you're knocking some people off the ball. And that's what we did Saturday, and that's what we need to do. And it's kind of a survival for this line every day going out there and practice against our D-line. I mean, you better do it or you're going to get the dog when you're beat out of you every day. You don't don't learn some good technique. And uh, I'm telling you right now, our team practices as hard as any team. And I can say this, 50 years of watching football, we run more reps and practice harder than any team that I've ever been associated with. And and I like that. I like the way we compete, and I'm sure – Kirby got that from Alabama, but uh, we don't take it easy. I mean, thir- after Thursday's practice, you say, hey, well, Hayes in the barn. Let's go ahead and get ready and chill. And, hey, Friday, our guys are over there. I mean, they got some classes up their home, but they're over there studying tape, breaking down the, the game, their practice tape from yesterday, doing another walkthrough. I mean, we do more walkthroughs than Roddy goes through buffet lines. I mean, we go. That's impossible. There's only 20 hours in a week, Coach. Yeah, we walk through to the max now, so we know what we're doing. We really, we're very well coached and very well prepared. I I can't say how any team could be any better prepared than we are. Before we turn the page on Arkansas, I'm going to give you four players that caught my eye in my rewatch on Sunday. One, Darnell Washington being back is a big deal. Um, I mean, he didn't play a ton of snaps, but just his uh, physical blocking is going to be massive for Georgia. Two, Lad McConkey's downfield blocking. You heard Kirby say that uh, perimeter blocking has been an issue. Lad McConkey is working his butt off there. And then two uh, on the interior, Cedric Van Pran, I thought, had his best game as a Bulldog. And I don't see him yielding that starting center spot back anytime soon. I know at the beginning of the season, that was a discussion. And then the player that I think that has emerged as the best player on the team. And I coach, I should have just listened to you. Jalen Carter is causing so much havoc. And I mean, Arkansas, all these sacks you're seeing, if you look on like the formation, like slightly to the other side, it's usually because Jalen Carter's crashing in about two guys to open up all these different lanes, whether it's from a Kobe Dean or Adam Anderson, Jalen Carter is virtually unblockable. He's just, and uh, he definitely a blocking force too. When he put him in there on the goal line, he blocked three. So uh, he's just a man possessed. Walker is too. Uh, it's hard to disseminate who the best you know, they're all playing good and they love it playing together and they're unselfish. And they, you can see to me, just the way our team reacted around Dan Jackson after he made that play. All the guys on the field, on the sideline, I don't think there was one person, of course, we didn't have a shot. I don't think there's one person in our program that didn't come up to him and congratulate him. And, you know, self acceptance is one thing. But having people on your team accept you and realize the hard work and realize the contribution you're making to the program, and it's so gratifying for everybody to understand that and see it. I mean, that that was very vivid that that, that he what his effort did, and he, you know it was a mistake by the coverage by the block team, that's for sure. But but he they were just happy for him. I mean, it's a big deal. I mean. You know, you're part of the team, and, you you know, the rest of the team recognizes it. Well, you talk about guys that had an outstanding performance. 
I know it's all the hard work they put in. You talk about all the practice they do, Coach, but we know it's the Sox. We, it's, it's, it's the lucky Sox. They're 5-0. and It's all because of our friends at uh, Dead yeah, Sox. That, 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 that's, that's changed it. That's changed it. Everybody's waiting for the other shoe to drop. You don't have to worry about it. You got Dead Sox who taking care of you now. Uh, but I, I kind of kid, but our friends at Dead Soxy, they are a sponsor of our show, and they do uh, fantastic work. Uh, they even have some new styles coming out. We're not really allowed to mention them yet. They would knock your socks off, but, it's, of course, Dead Soxy socks don't come off. They have the uh, stay-in-place technology. They actually don't cut off your the blood flow to your feet by squeezing your uh, calves too tight or your ankles too tight, but they stay up. And it's uh, the true stay technology. you got to check it out. Of course, they the uh, materials that they make these things from are so soft, they're so comfortable. You're really, really, uh, it's a, like they, they call it a buttery feel because these socks are fantastic and they have all these great styles. You know, you can have your uh, kick Auburn's butt style, you can have your destroy Florida stripes, you know, you can have your uh, finally get past Alabama, uh, red and black there. So, and of course, you know, go to church and make fun of your Tennessee buddies, uh, polka dots there. So, just say, and again, they have other styles for other schools too. So if you, your boss is an LSU fan, you know, which I don't know if that ever happens in real life, but um, you know, if it did and you needed to get him something and you wanted to kiss up a little bit, they have uh, great LSU themed socks. They have tons for other schools as well. Check out our friends at Dead Socks here when you get a chance. You just, you won't find a better product on the market. Again, we tried them out before we let them come on and be an advertiser with us. We're not going to promote anything we don't like. A couple of old Miss grads who are doing fantastic work with when it comes to comfort and technology in socks. I would never think I would use the word technology in socks, but it's there. So try them out. And also, uh, if you're going to watch the game this Saturday, swing by our friends at Academia Brewing Company. They're going to have, you know, of course, they'll have their beer and briskets brunch before the game. Um, but if you're there later on for the game at 3.30, be sure to check out uh, the, the giant screens they have it on. They'll have the watch along. They have all that great beer. Fantastic food, uh, chef-inspired dishes. You just can't beat it. They have the, the beer garden outside. It's October. Go out there for Oktoberfest. Uh, drink outside on that great patio that they have uh, with all the uh, plants with the nice weather. Of course, today it's raining cats and dogs. But um, still, uh, if you want to go to Trivia Tuesday this evening, check them out. Uh, but Saturday, if you want to watch a game with a great group of people, you know, not everybody's going to drive down to Auburn. Head out to Academia Brewing Company, try all those different beers. Get the little flight, you know, where you can get four different beers and you try each one and then get a second flight. Now you've tried eight beers. Find ones you like, take them home with you, have a great meal, have a great experience watching the game, and support an, a huge dog fan of the, the founder of Academia Brewing Company is a gigantic, uh, he's an alum, he's a gigantic dog fan. He will be out there barking with the rest of them. So uh, that's a great place to check out the game. All right, uh, Coach, I want to kind of shift gears here in a little bit and talk about the Auburn game. You mentioned them just just barely uh, or just a second ago. Tell us a little bit more about what Georgia can expect in Auburn. Well, you know, they have a new coach. Uh, Brian Harson came in from uh, as, as the head coach from Boise State, and uh, he's got uh, several of his coaches that were on his staff, and he also uh, hired Mike Bobo, who everybody knows from here, and uh, Will Friend, who is – Bobo's uh, friend too that to coach the old line. So uh, they got uh, Cadillac Williams coaching the running backs, and uh, you know a new uh, receiver coach. They actually fired the receiver coach after the Georgia State game. A guy named Williams, who had uh, really good ties to Alabama uh, as a high school and college coach. So 
usually don't see that happening during the season. And then Derek Mason is the defensive coordinator, which is real good for us and from my standpoint because oh, uh, ouch. It, it just has had a hard time uh, over the years. Uh, they did beat us the one year, which it was like we tried every way to give it to them, and we did. But, uh, you know, he's a very good guy, but just seems has a hard time getting his team lined up. Uh, and I'm sure they'll work hard against us. But uh, I know Tempo has hurt their team. But, you know, realistically, uh, they've had a lot of guys enter the transfer portal. Uh, they've had uh, some new transfers come in. They've had some guys ruled ineligible, uh, one of their defensive linemen right now up in the air whether he's going to be able to play because eligibility didn't make the trip to LSU. Uh, you know, uh, I think you're just a team kind of in flux between the old style and the new style, uh, a team that's really taking advantage of one of the easiest schedules in America, non-conference. I mean, when you look at Alabama State, uh, Akron hadn't won a game. I don't think Alabama State's won the game. And Georgia State's like one and four, but uh, they've really almost lost to Georgia State. But uh, big win for them, though. I tell you, when you can beat uh, LSU down there first time since 1999 that they've beaten them. So that's uh, 10 or 11 different times they've had a chance to play against them and hadn't beaten them. Uh, They did have a good game against Penn State where they went down to the wire, and you give them credit. But – I feel good about it. We just got to take care of business. We got to go go down there, sound like a coach here, uh, execute. And uh, we got better players than they do. I mean, we, 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 this this team uh, lost their coach because they didn't win enough games. We, we've won every game against them except two in the last 16 or 17 years. So our kids know how to play against them. We dominated them last year over here in a big-time matchup. Uh, so we'll who, see. Who was the quarterback in that game? Yeah, I think Bennett was. But, you know, we had Pickens, had a good game. Karras caught 10 passes. But, uh, you know, I think it's just a game of, of uh, from our standpoint, of uh, not giving them anything easy and containing Knicks. Just uh, one thing you, you have a tendency to do when you're a good pass rushing team is you want to destroy the guy, you know, on a pass rush. But you got to stay in your lanes and stay under control because he's shifty and very, uh, very good at avoiding the rush. We did a good job against them last year. Uh, you know, they didn't do anything on offense against us. I mean, nothing. I mean, just completely destroyed them. And then two years ago, we had them uh, shut out to the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, they got things going a little bit. We sat on it on offense and, you know, at a big league. But, uh, Nix has had a hard time against us. There's no question about it. And, you know, he certainly should have better confidence after last week's game, uh, you know, piloting his team to a victory. But uh, I don't think that their defense probably is as good as Arkansas's. Offense might be a little better with the quarterback. Uh, but, you know, we we got a really, really good shot of winning this game, in my opinion. I think the main concern for the Auburn game is going to be the road atmosphere if Auburn gets any kind of momentum because Jordan-Hare Stadium is one of the toughest places to play when it's rocking. Uh, And I think Georgia's seen that. You go back to 2017, there a lot of momentum created. Georgia was a better football team, not that day. 
I mean, that's that's how this happens. This gap is a lot larger this year compared to what, what we're looking at in 2017. Auburn's got a pair of good running backs. Uh, receiver, they're probably a little bit worse than they've been in recent years. We know who Bo Nix is. To me, I'm more curious about what Auburn does on defense to try to stop Georgia. And if I'm watching the Arkansas game, I'm saying, look, we're going to load the, the box and we're going to make them try to beat us passing because they are young at receiver. And so if there's going to be that crowd factor that gets receivers a little bit kind of off their game, that's going to be the position that Georgia is vulnerable at. So that's what I'm doing. If I'm, if I'm defending against Georgia, we'll see if Auburn does that. Anybody that really believes in the power of prayer, get down on your knees and pray that they rush us and dare us to pass. Get on your knees tonight and pray to God. Please let them line up and think that that's the way to beat us because it will be ugly if that's what they do. And, you know, I agree with you about, hey, you got to pick your poison, but uh, they can't cover they can't cover our guys, regardless of who's playing receiver for us. They can't cover us unless they get some kind of rush. Uh, they couldn't cover, uh, you know, those guys from LSU, but uh, they, their rush came through for them and uh, made enough sacks. But what uh, I feel like our offensive line is decidedly better than LSU. And I wasn't trying to be overwhelming there, but uh, we can throw the football against a, a, a blitzing team. I, I guarantee you. We got Todd Munkin, who's a magician at getting the protections and throwing the hot routes to the different people, at using the tight ends, at uh, throwing to the backside of the backfield. Who's going to cover our backs from their linebackers? I don't see it. So um, our biggest concern for me is taking care of the ball and not making stupid mistakes, like you say, playing in a tough environment. But uh, we have a decided advantage on them our offense versus their defense. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Coach, how do you attack this Georgia team? If, if you are Auburn, how do you, how do you stop them? How do, how do you stop the offense, I should say? Because it seems pretty balanced. We saw teams load the box, and against UAB, Georgia just started bombing away, dropping bombs on them. Then uh, Arkansas comes in here and drops back six, and you just ran it down their throats. It's like, I mean, I know that you want to have an identity, but at the same time, as Kirby said yesterday in his press conference, you know, you know, he's kind of teased all the press guys there. He said, I know you're all great defensive uh, coaches, but, you know, sometimes you got to just count and see how many guys I have on the line versus how many guys you have on, and that sometimes determines what you do. If you were trying to – I think one of the things you got to do is look at who we have in the game and uh, call your game accordingly. If we got – we got two tight ends. You know, we're a heavy run play action team. If we got three wide outs, we're, we're more of a RPO, uh, you know, inside zone team. If we got two backs, you know, we can do just about anything, throw the ball to the, to the other back. So uh, first of all, figure out who they got in the game and then mix it up. I mean, use your, use your inside. I mean, one of the best things to do against a team if you're out man is, do what South Carolina did to us a couple years ago, uh, slant your front, you know, try to get some movement and uh, open up an area by, by slanting or angling or twisting. I don't think you can line up pure vanilla against us like Arkansas did. Uh, we're just too good. Uh, you know, you got to mix it up, bring some outside pressures with your corners, outside uh, with your star and, and mix up those stunts and, Hope you get some uh, stops and make us punt. I mean, that's the idea is 
you know, get off the field on defense. That's what you got to do and hope your offense, which is which is hard for a defensive coach at Auburn or, or Arkansas or anywhere, hope your offense can generate enough ball possession where you're not back out there immediately. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you if all of a sudden you get a team and you stop them, and then your offense comes out there and it's three and out, and you got to you just can't keep. If you're undermanned defensively, you can't keep counting on the fact that you're going to stop these guys enough to make a difference. So usually, when you make a game plan, you're saying, "Hey, they're going to have twelve to fourteen uh, possessions, and we've got to get them off the field like six or seven and then see what happens in the other seven and hope that we can hold them to a field goal or they get a turnover. So that's what you got to do when you're making those plans. But uh, that makes sense. even if they plan that, I don't think it'll work against <laughs> us. I don't think it'll work. No, I mean, I, th- I like your point. This is a team that lost his coach last year. They didn't win enough games. Georgia beat them 27 to six, uh, but that was in Athens. I think Georgia is a better football team than they were last year. I think Auburn's not as good as a team as they were last year. So, right. but Dane also has a good point in that it's on the road, and that does make a big difference. I know a lot of people want to say, "Ah, oh, it's all the same," but let's say Georgia does go; they don't move the ball like they want to, and they do punt it. Remember, I'm not reminding you, I'm reminding our viewers: Georgia has a great punter. This guy's booming these kicks. And most of the time, you're going to have to drive 65, 75, 85 yards against that Georgia defense. There's not a whole lot. Unless there's a turnover, these teams are getting short fields. Now, every once in a while, there's a shank, but that's indicative. I mean, it's uh, built into the cake, if you will, when it comes to uh, college college punters. Everybody gets one one or two, and it's going to happen. But most of the time, you know – those punts are deep and they're having to drive the entire field to get back. So I think that, uh, can you do it once or twice? Absolutely. Can you do it consistently for the whole game? I don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, I do want to mention, uh, our friend. Go, go ahead, coach. Do you have a response? I was going to say, we get some questions here. I can do the what if all day, but, uh, I'm afraid Derek Mason might listen to this and pick up a few things. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's, uh, George's had some pretty good luck against him. Uh, if you are, uh, it is Tuesday. I want everybody to swing by our friends at your pie. And if you are looking for something for lunch today, or you're looking for something at dinner, check out your pie, check out the app, go to the, the your pie app on Twitter, on your phone and order your pizzas, your salads, your sandwiches, your, uh, uh, breadsticks, all the great stuff they have, uh, out at your pie. You, you can even order ice cream if you want their gelato. If you do it on Tuesday, you get double points. The points add up very quickly, and all of a sudden, you get a free pizza, free uh, breadsticks, free sandwiches, like the No-No's Italian. And they have a ton of locations all over the southeast. Uh, can't miss one. Um, I just clicked on locations thing. They're, well, geez, there are just an absolute ton of them. And, of course, for folks who are new to the podcast, Your Pie is basically a restaurant where you go in and you – Think of like a subway, the way it used to be. You walk in, you tell them what kind of bread you want, and then they put everything on top of it. It's the same with your pie. You go in, you pick the four or five different crusts they have, um, and they spread it out. You can choose what type of uh, marinara you want on it or what type of sauce, and then as many toppings as you want. They don't charge you per topping. You can throw them all on there. They toss it into a super hot oven while you pay and get your drink, sometimes beer, sometimes you know uh, local craft brew. 
uh, or, you know, just Coke through one of their crazy Coke machines. By the time you sit down a few minutes later, they walk up with a freshly cooked, piping hot, fantastic personal pizza that you had, that you designed while you were in there. Of course, uh, they also have sandwiches and pastas and then now you can get a big 14 inch pie for a Bulldog football watching party. So that's why I say uh, come Saturday, if you don't have plans, you're looking for something to eat, a couple of these uh, your pie giant pizzas. I'm going to correct you real fast just because I've been in some of their like corporate meetings. Some people yeah. do refer to them as kind of like a, a, the subway of the pizza genre. It's a better better and more efficient system. Than I'm that. Saying it's a much better experience. Tell them, hey, I want a little few more extra olives. Uh, can I get a little, throw this on there, throw that on there. It's that kind of walk-in. Uh, it's a fully customizable experience. Absolutely. You'll love it. Now, I mentioned uh, if you're watching the game this Saturday, one of the great ways to watch the game this Saturday is in the watch-along party where you have the game, the Georgia versus Auburn game, on your big TV, on your giant screen. And then on your phone or your iPad or your laptop, you have a second screen checking out YouTube. And on the YouTube channel you're looking at, you're looking at the UGA Sports YouTube channel. And that way you will see Coach Don and myself and Dane commenting on the game in real time. We have a camera set on Coach Donnan. Uh, we're in the shot every once in a while. And it's basically all of us talking about the game as it happens. So you can, Coach, you brought the energy this week. I mean, yeah, I was fired up for, uh, for that. Some, uh, there's some uh, yeah, well, cheering. Big, big game there. You know, I was ready to go. But uh, we got got to have some good questions here. I know everybody's well, tired. Well, of yeah, I want, I want, let me finish and tell everybody about the – the Watch Along Show is sponsored by our friends at Athens Ford. The reason I bring up the Watch Along Show is because Athens Ford, who not only sponsors this podcast, they sponsor that Watch Along Show. And so the only ads you have to hear every once in a while are us talking about the great deals at Athens Ford, like the 0% financing on Ford F-150s, you know, or talking about how great the Broncos are, which everybody knows that, or how great the service is out there. So you don't have to listen to all the commercials. You don't have to listen to the CBS announcers. You can listen to Coach Don and Dane and myself talk about Georgia football, give you insights, break news. Uh, great reaction stuff. We can be uh, Homerish, you know, with uh, and whereas the announcers don't have to do that and they have to kind of play it straight. We can talk about how much Auburn sucks and how great Georgia football is throughout the entire three hours that we do the show. And that is sponsored by Athens Ford, and we would not be able to do it without them. All right, Dane, hit us up with some questions there, brother. All right, so yeah, these are from UGASports.com at the dog vent. Uh, so what appears on the screen, it may be just a, a snippet because I have some character limits. Uh, this question for you, Coach. So Arkansas didn't seem to adjust well on defense after Georgia was able to run efficiently against the three-man front. The question, how difficult is it for a team to change a game plan when they're identifying that things are not working? It shouldn't be. I mean, that's why you're getting paid. The guy's getting paid almost $2 million to be the defensive coordinator. So it shouldn't be uh, – you, it, what is hard is to actually physically do it and, and get your players to execute. But, uh, you know, wise man changes and a fool never does. I mean, you got to make some adjustments during the game. I mean, uh, that's part of the deal. you got to be able to uh, – what you plan, maybe it doesn't take very long to figure. It's not – you know, we underestimated our ability to do this. We've got to stop the bleeding here. It's, you know, we got to do something different. And uh, it, it shouldn't be difficult to adjust as far as what you plan. But what is difficult is can your players execute enough physically to uh, – it doesn't make any difference what you do as far as putting them in position, but can they execute against the other team? And, and no matter what they did Saturday, as long as we had a hat on the hat, that means we had somebody blocking 
and they didn't have an unblocked guy, we physically dominated them. They didn't get off blocks. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they weren't able to uh, make tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So he makes a good question. Uh, it, it shouldn't be difficult for any coach, little league on up, to make some kind of change because if you don't have some kind of alternative plan going in, you shouldn't be coaching. Roddy, I'll send this one to you. It's a question that Kirby Smart gets often. When will the walking wounded return? And so just a quick hitting injury update as you know it. Well, Kirby actually said yesterday that uh, he had no idea when the wide receivers would be back. We did see Darnell Washington come back and play some. Uh, he made a good point. He says, well, if Darnell Washington is back, why isn't Tyke Smith back? He had the same, you know, broken metatarsal. And Kirby's like, it's a lot different what, what you're requiring a defensive back to do, all the cutting and turning and running that he has to do. It's a little bit uh, tougher on him, but he is lined, you know, he is a practice. I think Don Blaylock, you know, if you can get that hamstring straightened out, you know, get it loosened up. He worked on it yesterday that he could be back this coming week. Uh, but we don't have a timeline right now for uh, Arian Smith or Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint. It's just one of those things that and exact same thing with JT Daniels. You're just going to have to wait, you know, see how they do Tuesday, see how they do Wednesday, see how they feel Thursday, see how they feel Friday. Uh, there's just not a timeline on it. It's how fast can you heal without re-aggravating or making things worse. And I know that uh, those kids want to come back. They're fighting to come back. But at the same time, Ron Corson and the training group over there said, look, uh, you can come back and you we could we could numb this up and you run on it and next week you'll be out and the week after you'll be out so to me there's i don't think georgia fans understand how great it is that you can you don't have to worry about a, a trainer bringing a guy back too early or holding him out too long you know to kind of uh, maintain their ego or their uh credibility ron corson walks that line perfectly and uh that's why he's considered one of the best in the business. So, Coach, at the top of the show, you mentioned the officiating for Georgia's penalties uh, on the in the punt game. Here's another question. This one from Lump Dog about officiating. It says, this past game, Arkansas was uh, called a couple of times for having an illegal man downfield. Lump Dog says that as he watched the Alabama game, there seemed to always be at least one lineman downfield when Bryce Young passed on an RPO, but it was never called. Why do you think the infraction of man downfield is not called more often? Because Nick doesn't want him to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I said that in jest, but I mean, it pretty much they get some calls. I mean, it's just the reality. Uh, you, you know, that's where the bread's buttered. And if it's anything's up in the air, a lot of times they, I mean, they're, they're not going to call it. But it, it is a very tough call. I mean, uh, here's the point. It used to be you would have a play-action pass and the lineman would be setting back and blocking. Now they go down the field on a run on these RPOs because of the, the play is a run. And you can be three yards down the, from down the line of scrimmage, but anything past that is supposed to be called, but it's not called a lot. So uh, he makes a good point. I, I think you could probably call it a lot more than it is, but – so anytime you have a broken play and the guy's running and it looks like it's a running play, then there's a chance to have the illegal receiver downfield. And they did a good job of calling that Saturday on uh, Arkansas. And I hope if we get to Alabama and they get to us, 
that they'll call that because it's definitely an advantage to throw the ball when you have a guy downfield because the defensive backs are really trying to key. And, you know, they see those guys running downfield, they think it's a run. So, I mean, it's, it's tough. Thanks for that question, Lump Dog, one of the loudest supporters of the Watch Along Show. We do appreciate you. Billy Zane with the question, a little 4D chess kind of a question here. Do offensive coordinators call certain plays or games to put things on tape for future opponents, or is it almost 100% about attacking the defense on any given Saturday? That's a, great yeah, that's a very, very good call. Uh, I remember when uh, – we were at Florida State. Uh, Parcells said early in the season, said they were going to run a couple things against some team just so you make the other team practice it. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, and he was right. I mean, you do that. If, if you've got the capabilities now on offense, if you've got the capabilities of running a lot of uh, plays, then you, you throw, throw something out there just so they got that in their mind. Hey, what if they do this and they have to work on it? So, uh, he, he makes a good point. I think particularly in a runaway game, you really be careful about showing something that you really don't want them to see, which is something you got in, but you got some stuff that you'd like for them to see, to think about. You got that in your mind too, because there's some devious guys calling plays now. I mean, I was devious. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, you're thinking ahead and, hey, uh, let's make these, let's make Tom Osborne and those guys think about this. We probably won't do it. And uh, along those lines, I just want to say my mentor, my man, Barry Switzer, 84 years old today, and he's having a golf tournament out there to raise money for uh, ex-players that hadn't been able to make it, that are, you know, have medical bills and things like that. And my son, Todd, just sent me a picture of uh, he and Coach Switzer and made me real happy uh, because of two, two people I love very dearly out there raising money. That was awesome. Happy birthday, Coach Switzer. Excited 84, man. 12-5-1 against Tom Osborne. <laughs> Question from uh, Alma Dog. Do you have any experience with lat strains? And if so, in your opinion, how should Kirby Smart handle the JT Daniel situation in terms of him throwing over the next two weeks or so? Yeah, I mean, sore arm is a part of uh, any coach's uh, uh you know, any coach over the years, you've had quarterbacks that have problems, whether it's tendonitis in the elbow, whether it's the lat, uh, the oblique, whatever it is. I mean, you, you read about pitchers, and if some injuries, rest is better than anything. I mean, you can do all these sophisticated things with uh, that they use now, but usually uh, your body's telling you what to do, and the rest is uh, inactivity helps it as much as anything. So, I think in this case, uh, you know, we want to try to get him back, but we got to be careful that we don't extenuate it by bringing him back too quick. So it's every guy's got different pain tolerance and, and, and things like that. But I know this, I've never had too many quarterbacks be very successful when their arms soar because they think they can throw the ball with the velocity that they normally do. They take a chance on throwing it like that and they don't get it. And there you get an interception. So, uh, even, even though everybody's talking about, hey, let's get him back in there, let's do that. I think what we got to do is trust Kirby, trust Ron, trust JT. If he's ready, he, when he's ready, he'll be ready and he'll go. But uh, uh, I think the question is very well, well warranted. I mean, I've 
I've had a lot of guys with sore arms, that's for sure. And I've had, had a lot of guys with sore asses too when I got after them a little bit too, because uh, uh, you, you know you get after their ass a lot. <laughs> Listen to Kirby's words and watch his actions. They truly believe Stetson Bennett can lead this team to big time wins. And if you don't, that's because you don't have the information they do in practice. I don't like the narrative that's out there that Stetson Bennett can't do this and can't do that. He's a good football player. and Yeah, I don't go to practice much anymore, uh, but I used to. And Kirk, uh, Stetson Bennett has thrown as many passes against our defense as Joe Burrow did, as uh, Kyle Trask did, as Tua did, as Hurts did, as Mac Jones did. He's You've seen all of those passes against our defense in practice. So uh, that, to me, shows me that he's got that capabilities. Question from James Brown, please, who is so much fun. Uh, James Brown. <laughs> uh, will Georgia have a spy on Bo Nix? Didn't Trayvon Walker play a similar role previously uh, when he keyed in on Bo Nix? Definitely we'll have one uh, 007 defense. We'll have uh, either uh, Anderson or Walker or somebody or the other Walker, Quay Walker, uh, because that's something you got to watch out for. Uh, but we'll have a control rush, too. I mean, we'll rush him hard, but those guys will break down. I think we'll do a really good job. I know we do drills in practice where, you know, you just have those guys chasing after them, and they get tired, but they have to break down and then make the tackle, but, you know, wrap them up. So uh, I think we'll have a very effective pass rush against Bo Nix. And, uh, you know, the number one thing we got to do is don't give them any of those, those easy runs that are bunch yards, you know. And the, the thing they did extremely well in that game, and I give Mike Bobo credit, and I didn't want to watch that game. I was tired. I did the watch along. I watched the Alabama game. I watched uh, all those games. And then this game, this game comes on at 9 o'clock, which is a little bit close to my bedtime, and kept on to about quarter to one. But I stayed up and watched it because I wanted to be able to talk to our fans about it and, and be ready to, to have a good scouting report because we're playing Auburn. But they did a really good job of putting that that young back Shivers in there who is good out of the backfield. I mean, a lot like Cook coming out of the backfield one-on-one -on -one against an uh, LSU backer, and he made some really big third-down conversions, at least three where they threw the ball to him on a little dump out of the backfield, and he caught it and ran and made the first down. So, N'Kobe uh, Dean, uh, Shannon Tindall, uh, Quay Walker, they'll be all over that guy Saturday. They'll be on him like a piranha. Hey, Sean Shivers, one of the fastest kids in the SEC, folks. Don't, don't do not uh, discount him at all. We talked about some of the uh, talent Auburn's lost since last Good year. Player. Good player. He, he is lights out. He, you go back to him running against Tyson Campbell and uh, Anthony Schwartz and that uh, four by one. I mean that one one hundred meter dash and uh, Florida State track championships. The kid can absolutely fly. And the other thing, you know, last year we had South Carolina out, man, but they did some good things scheme-wise against us. And one thing you know when I mentioned South Carolina, Mike Bobo was calling the place, hey, this is best friends. This is lifelong buddies, college roommates going against each other, Mike Bobo versus Kirby Smart. You think they don't want it? I oh, mean, gosh. this is, this is a, a really big deal. And uh, and I guarantee you, 
Mike's going to pull everything out of the hat that he can to try to get after Kirby, and Kirby's going to do the same thing. It's not Mike versus Kirby, vice versa, but deep down, it's a little bit of that. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> Here's a comment from Facebook. I'm just going to brag on myself because David and Susan Elliott ask, uh, I think Auburn puts the front seven in the box and makes Stetson Bennett beat them. What do you think? That's exactly what I said. I think they'll do. Hey, I hope they do. <laughs> Uh, this is a bit of a leading question here, uh, but I'm going to ask it anyway. This is from A6A4F18. I guess that's a username. How much of the playbook is Georgia holding back? You know, maybe a little in the passing game because of our receiver situation, but uh, our playbook, I mean, I don't know what our playbook looks like, uh, or even if we have one because of the computers on the iPad and everything. But I don't think many of our older people could carry it. <laughs> I mean, if you put it up in under your arm, uh, we've got everything potentially in the history of college football. I don't know if we got any wishbone in there, but we got we got a lot of stuff, a lot of volume, and our like I said, our Todd Munkin. I mean, he's been around the pro game and and been around all these coaches and uh, he's got a good repertoire stuff to do. And defensively just multiply that by five. We got about 9 million defenses that we could call. And uh, so our playbook is, I don't know if this word, how do you say? Voluminous. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) Putting that Grady college education at work. There you go. Well done. And shout uh, out to Trip who's watching in Gulf Shores. I can uh, I can end with this last question here. We had a handful more. Uh, keep asking every week. We'll we'll make sure to get it to as many as we can. This from King Mario nine eight one at the Dog Vent. Who do you think could come back from injury and have the greatest impact besides J T Daniels? George Pickens. See, my news going to beat me to it. <laughs> I mean, there's no better answer. Before J T. George Pickens. George Pickens. George Pickens. George Pickens. Yeah. Um, he just makes the whole defense worry about him. And uh, he's, he's uh, probably right now the most explosive play. You know, he Boutte, uh, Boutte at, at down there at LSU. I mean, George Pickens would be great. And hopefully we can get him at the end of the year and everybody wants him to come back sooner. But the other guy that I would say, you know, obviously JT, but I would just say just because down after down, he plays so good. If we can get Kiaris back in there where he's not having to come out of the game, the way he blocks, the way he can run reverses, the way he can catch tunnel screens, the way he can get over the middle. Uh, he caught 10 passes last year against our, uh, Auburn. Uh, I, I would like to see him back 100% too. And give me Don Blaylock back. Just I mean, I'll give him any. He said the number. Oh, no, you, you, know, you take Don Blaylock before Pickens? No, no, I want George Pickens back first. I mean, that would be the biggest impact. But I would just – I think because out of sight, out of mind, I think people have forgotten how money Don Blaylock was. I mean oh, – No question. Dropped. I mean, if you – But realistically, started, realistically, he hadn't played in two years. So That's uh, what I'm saying. People forget about how good he was. It's I wish he could. Yeah. I think realistically that Kyrus can come back for him. But. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Kyrus has already been back out there, so – uh, hit on that question real quick from Robert Barnes because this is something I want to touch on. 
Uh, is this in the chat? I got it. Uh, okay, there you go. So this is my only person who sees holding against uh, Georgia's defensive line. Do refs feel sorry for teams when they're getting beat so bad? Coach, you've been out there and you've seen it. You know, you're up three, four, five scores, and all of a sudden yeah, they're man, putting your they, backups and they're being mauled. And you, I mean, yeah, are they, you pushing for that call still? They get arthritis in their hands. I mean, they don't pull them out of their – they don't pull those flags. I mean, they're trying to get over there and – Get that pre-game, that post-game uh, Zaxby's or Chick-fil-A in there and get out of the town. They don't call them. Uh, I wish they would, but uh, you know, uh, and sometimes they don't call them during the game because uh, the game's so out of hand. But uh, you know, I, I really will give uh, our officials do a really good job. It's a tough, difficult thing, and uh, it's hard for me to say this, but for the most part. They really do a good job, and it's it's hard to call a game. I mean, these, these guys are so much bigger, stronger, faster than they used to be, and a lot of things are going there quickly. But, you know, you've got a job, call it. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, so call it. And I agree 100%. Holding, holding is the least called. The other thing that they don't call enough, I don't think, is roughing the passer. Spoken, I, like, I, spoken like a quarterback. I think you got to – well, I mean, you got to protect those quarterbacks. So, I mean, right. be careful with them. But, uh, hey, uh, one thing I want to just say, again, this team has got a lot of things going for it. They, they're really good kids, number one. You don't read a lot about anything happening to our, this team off the field. I think Kirby's done a really good job of the, the team bonding together, and you can see how they, they, they epitomize teams. So, Let's continue to enjoy what they're doing. And if you can go to that game, I know I coached two teams that won in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And the fan base we had down there was a big part of it because during the game, uh, you know, there was some silence on the Auburn side because we were doing pretty well. So uh, don't forget that you mean a lot even on a road game. And uh, Jordan-Hare, hey, let's go get them. Let's get after them. They got hedges down there, and our players really think that they're playing between the hedges. So they <laughs> they're, they're playing hard. No, I absolutely, I agree, hundred percent. That is uh, to, to touch on Robert's thing. Yes, they, we don't see calls made at the end of games. I've been in many a blowout, and you're seeing the second guys get strung up. But also, I've covered way more games than I'm. Uh, I'm embarrassed to admit how many times I've been in Jordan Hare Stadium. I won't be this week. I'll be doing, I'll be in coaches' uh, den there. We'll do the watch along show, but you can hear the Georgia fans when they get rocking. And it's a loud stadium. They absolutely can throw you off if you're trying to uh, you know, run your offense, but score a couple times. It gets very quiet in there. And those Georgia fans, my God, you hear them. They are just, it does start to feel, I won't say like a home game. But it does balance it out. So you you may be outnumbered nine to one, but when you're up a score, you're up two scores, and those the bands kicking up and the Georgia fans in the I think that's the northwest corner of that end zone. I could be completely wrong in my orientation, but they are loud. And then when they're going into the locker room and all those Georgia fans, it's that tiny little tunnel, that crappy little visitors locker room, where they're going in at halftime and they can hear all the Georgia fans cheering for them. That gets that picks them up. So if you can make it to that game, absolutely do so. If not, join us for the watch along. All right, Dan, you want to take us out? Yep. And we can wrap the show here. Thanks for watching UGA Sports Live for Jim Donnan and Ronnie Nabolsi. I'm Dan Young. We'll see you.